From the game gurus at Snakes and Lattes, you're listening to the Snakes Cast, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Welcome to the Snakes Cast, everyone. I'm Jonathan Moriarty. Joining me this week are my co-hosts Steve Tassie. Hello. And Sean Jackman. Hello there. And we're going to tackle a bit of a thorny issue in games, and in being a game guru, complexity. Games that have a steep learning curve. Games that are hard. Now, the question of whether or not it's worth the effort uh, for, for anybody who's learning it, or teaching it, or playing it, to go through all of this stuff. Now, some games are just complicated. That's how it goes. And a lot of times, one of the most common requests that I get as a game girl, I'm sure it's the same for you guys too, uh, is people ask for a game that's not complicated. Yeah. Oh yeah, all the time. Absolutely. Can we get a simple game? Sure. Or so, something can easy. I get a Can I get a game where we don't have to think? Those, I think, are probably Absolutely. the two most common requests. It's very common. So we're going to be going into territory that's a bit outside a lot of people's comfort zones. Those of you who don't think you like complicated games, I encourage you to keep listening because we're going to try and give you a sense of what you're missing. Uh, and it's, it's only going to take less than 15 minutes, so not so bad. So guys, what are your favorite complicated games? John? Um, I just learned CO2, and that was a feat in itself, learning that game. It took uh, two YouTube videos and several readings of the rules, and then several attempted playthroughs to actually get a full game under our belt. And So is that a co-op game where you're trying to save the world from climate change? There is uh, a co-op element to it because if, uh, if the CO2 levels pass a certain critical point, everybody could die in the world. Like, the world could end mm. uh, based, based on that alone. However, it is, it is certainly competitive. You are out nice. for yourself and you are a, uh, a green energy company trying to create plants in uh, the most needed areas around the world. The most... Uh, poorly, uh, the, the most emission-filled countries and continents around the world you're working on. What did it feel like playing CO2 for the first time? We were constantly questioning whether we were doing it right, and there is a flow to the game. Once, once you get it, it clicks. Uh, and, and that's, I think, something that can be said for a lot of complicated games, that mm. once you get it, it clicks. Um, and so when we did get it, it was great for us. But it And it was very satisfying to play through a full game and double-check the rules and make sure we had done everything <laughs> right and we had done it. So that was very satisfying. So it felt like a real accomplishment, I guess. Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. All right, Steve, what's your favorite complex game? Ooh, I have several that, I, that I'm very fond of. Um, La Havre. By Uwe Rosenberg. It's Mr. Uh, Agricola, right? Uh, yes, and also Mr. Bonanza. Ah, yes. <laughs> uh, Puerto Rico. Uh, mm, that's yeah. uh, Andreas Seifarth, I believe. Big popular favorite, yeah. that one. Uh, and a recent favorite, uh, Firefly the Game. Just got it from Gen Con. Uh, I enjoy the game a lot. There is a lot going on in it. What I find, it may not actually be complicated so much as intricate. Which is not right. quite the same thing. It's a true. Of, yeah. A lot of little things yeah. uh, that you have to keep track of at once. Yeah. None of which individually is all that complicated. It's just yeah. there's a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to go into a little bit more detail about that later. Um, so, how long did it take for you to get to the point where you could play Firefly and get it feel like you were doing it right? The first two times I played, we had to give up partway through. Just After because, how long? Um, in the area of four hours each play. Um, Audience, it, you can pick your jaws back up off the floor. <laughs> it, it, it felt like the actual show because uh, it got canceled halfway through. <laughs> uh, Just when it was getting good. Yeah. Uh, but I finally now played two full games of it uh, to completion. 
the first one was a three-player game, took about three and a half hours to get it done. The most recent one was last night, in fact. Uh, well, last night when recording. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, four players, three and a half hours. So we actually managed to get it down to below an hour per player, which uh, I didn't think was going to be possible. And what do people think? Once, once that game ended, how did, how did the players feel about having invested that much time in it? Uh, everybody felt good about it. Um, I think towards the end, people were kind of getting, oh, won't this just be over? Right. <laughs> but when it actually ended with a, a, somebody winning the game, uh, there was a, a great sense of, of happiness and, and satisfaction as opposed to, oh, I'm happy it's over. It's, ah, oh, you, you earned it. You did it. Right. You won the game. Cool. All right, let's talk about the kinds of complexity that can be in a game. To my mind, there are two major forms that complexity can take in the game. Complexity of the rules and complexity of the decisions you have to make in it. Mm -hmm. So you take chess, for example. There's a game with very simple rules. I can teach somebody how to play chess in less than three minutes. It's the decisions that are complicated. It's trying to figure, you, you know what you're allowed to do, but you don't know what you should do. Yeah. And then you get these crazy complex World War II games like uh, World in Flames or something, where they've got huge phone book Size squad leader. Something like that. But again, if you're Germany and it's World War II, you have two choices. You can attack the USSR all out, or you can attack Great Britain all out. And I suppose there's a third choice, you can lose the game. But um, <laughs> it's, it, there's, there's, it's not like there's a lot of complexity there in most cases. Recreate history, I think is what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> so... You guys get this difference, of course, but uh, do you think most of our, our customers understand this difference? Is this something that they, uh, that they sort of understand intuitively most of the time? Most? No. Uh, some understand it very well, because we, we do have uh, a chunk of our clientele who are hobby gamers like we are. But the vast majority of our customers are not. They are, they may potentially be hobby gamers, but they are new enough to the hobby that to them, a complex game is a complex game. Right, and they haven't no had the difference. chance yet to really yeah. learn these, these distinctions. Do you think it would make much of a difference if they did? To some of them. Um, I think that they are. what they're looking for, experience for it. Yeah. You know. So, uh, all right, so let's, let's talk about that. As, as, as a guru, when you guys are recommending stuff and uh, recommending games that have simple rules or complicated strategies or complicated rules that are still fairly simple to play, what kind of game do you sort of run into the most resistance about? When you're talking about something and saying you might enjoy this, which of those two do you think sets up the most resistance that people tend to fight you on? I find uh, complexity of uh, rules, certainly, because I I'm notorious for telling people this is a pretty simple game and then they get into it and they realize that uh, the, the decisions that they have to make are, are far more complicated. Mm. Whereas if I'm upfront with people and say, there's a bit of a learning curve with this. Like, uh, I mean, amongst us, we probably wouldn't consider Seven Wonders a particularly complex game, but there is that learning curve of, of learning that mechanic and just having it all make sense to you. The learning curve is practically a straight line up. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, but once you're at the top, you realize, piece of cake yeah, game to yeah, play. Exactly. It's, and, and it's true. I think another thing that's, that's important there is familiarity. I mean, Seven Wonders is not a complicated game as far as the actual rules. It's just that none of them are familiar. None right. of the things that you do in Seven Wonders, except for maybe the drafting, uh, are really are things that, you've, that, that most people have seen before in games. Even a lot of people who have played Settlers and Ticket to Ride and so yeah. on, they have a really hard time with it. In, in fact, that's some, some uh, previous knowledge 
of other games is almost detrimental because you have to explain the difference of resources in Seven Wonders versus uh, Catan. I often ask people, you know, have you played Catan? And if so, forget what you've learned about the resources of Catan. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. they're not going to be spent every turn. They're not going to be traded. They may be bought from each other. But once you invest in those resources, they are I there. Th I think we're sort of veering away from complexity into challenge at this point. Right, so let's right. let's uh, let's 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 focus back on complexity again. What does what does complexity bring to a game? What are the advantages of complexity in a game that you can't get in a game that's, that's more simple? I, th I think it makes the game more interesting. Mm -hmm. and I think if that's what you're looking for. Sure. Right. And I think it separates uh, good players and good strategy from uh, luck-based games or games that uh, have like a bit of a shallower strategy. Certainly the case of complexity in decisions. Mm -hmm. I mean a game again like chess or go or something like that, very very simple rules but boy oh boy are you gonna see who's more skillful by the time that game's over. Right. Uh, it's because the decisions are complicated. Uh, one of the things that I really like in the complex games that I enjoy, I don't enjoy all complex games, but the ones that I do enjoy, they tend to have a strong narrative. There's a real story that comes out in the game. And one of the things about, if you're going to play a game that tells a story that has characters with things that happen to them and events that take place and you know, sort of builds to a climax at the, at the end of the game, you need to have an idea that if you do something, it's going to have an effect. Right. Like if my guy splits off from the rest of the group to go and fight these monsters over here, there's a good chance that they'll get killed, but there's also uh, the possibility they can find out more information. Uh, there are all kinds of advantages and disadvantages to this. In order to model that, you need some complexity. I think you'd like Firefly for that very reason. Mm, the complexity in Firefly lends itself to that. Oh yeah, it, it's completely immersive. Uh, it, it, it takes you into the world of the show, and you feel like your people are doing things and going on you know, sci-fi western quests, but essentially quests. So, I, yeah, I can attest to that. Having never watched the show, I still had a good uh, feeling of the mythos of the of the show. And it uh, led you to be interested. Uh, this, you know, the same thing happened to me with the Game of Thrones card game way back in the day. I had never read the books, but seeing the uh, these these political intricacies and so on made me interested, and I wound up reading the books as a result. So that that immersion is something that comes through complexity. Being able to kind of lose yourself in another world. Um, the other big thing about it, for me at least, is beauty. Uh, the beauty that arises in games that doesn't show up in any other medium. The fact that you get to make choices and those choices matter. You can't do that anywhere else. Choose your own adventure books. Which are games. I suppose. I, I would, I would agree I, I with suppose, that. They, yeah. they are, they are you know, the precursor to... Uh, to Tales of the Arabian yeah, Nights. Yeah. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Smirsh. Fair point. Uh, another example is uh, improvisational theater. You get to make choices there. And there's a reason why they call it theater sports, because sports are a kind of game. Yeah. So with all of these wonderful reasons to play more complicated games, with all the tremendous reward and, and rich gameplay that they bring, why do so many people shy away from complex games? Why do so many people come in the first thing they say is, I don't want to have to think, I don't want to have to do anything that's, that's like complicated. I think that uh, I think the big thing is intimidation and uh, mm -hmm. time commitment as well. Yeah, you know? time's a big factor. Pe people come in and want to. I mean, for at least at Six and Lattes, people come in and they want to play. They want to be be playing immediately. You know, and so sure. the idea of uh, investing time to learn a game and possibly as much as a half an hour, uh, many teachers take or more um, before they're they're really off and running uh, is is a little bit of a turnoff for people, I think. And th and then if you start talking about uh, the learning time and then adding in the playing time, uh, it just 
people want to try new things. They're, they're, we're a very, um, very uh, short attention span society now. So. And it's not just that. I mean, I mean, somebody comes in on a Friday night, they've had a hard week of work. You can forgive them for wanting to relax, you know, sure. for not for wanting sure. to... To, to, to go basically go to the gym for their brain. Yeah. yeah. They're relaxing. Working out. Yeah. Their relaxing is not our relaxing. Exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. a different type of We are the weirdo gamer, you know, people for for whom relaxing is, you know, putting yourself into a deep game like that. So supposing you've got someone then who is fairly fresh, you know, they're uh, they're they're in good shape mentally, they're ready for, for, for some kind of a challenge, but they're still uncomfortable with the idea of playing something complicated. What other things can sort of get in the way? You mentioned the intimidation of learning the game in the first place. What else? I find a lot of people, when they're learning a complicated game, especially if they're new to complicated games, they are worried about making mistakes. Mm. They're worried about making the wrong play. Or looking stupid in front of the other yeah. players, or yeah. not being as good as the other right. players. Yeah. Uh, even though they're all in it together. Yeah. And even though they're all on level ground, the yeah. game's not the challenge. Yeah. You, as, as you're fond of saying, Steve, the game is not the challenge, it's the players that are the challenge. Yeah. But even so, uh, that implicit sense that the pressure is on for you to perform. Yeah. Well, well, that's the thing, is that like losing is not the worst thing in the world. I mean, somebody's gonna win, somebody's gonna lose, but at the end of it, it's, it's you know, the experience of the play. Yeah, and, uh, and the fear of even, not just losing, but losing badly. Embarrassing oneself. Exactly. Right. So how, how can we, as game gurus at Snakes, encourage people to go there anyway, despite this? And to brave those, you know, those dark waters of complexity? My number one tip to customers who are trying to learn a new game that they think is possibly beyond them is to acknowledge the fact that they won't know what they're doing the first time they play the game. Mm. Just let that be a true thing and move on with your lives. <laughs> play the game, learn what happens when you do the specific actions or make a choice, learn what the consequences are. It's a game. If the consequences are that you lose, oh well, you lose. Your wooden cubes got taken away. Oh no. <laughs> uh, just play the game. Learn how the game works and usually by the time you are finished playing your first round of something like Puerto Rico mm -hmm. or La Havre, one of two things will happen, and I, I'm honest with people right up front. You'll either never want to play that game again, <laughs> or you will immediately have thoughts on what to do better for next time. Right. Uh, and honestly, people, that second thing is what happens most often, at least with the customers that I deal with. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I, I mean, for me, when I'm trying to convince somebody to play a game uh, that I may think it could be a bit uh, tough for them the first time through, I try to bring a little bit of passion for the game. If it's a game I yes. feel really strongly about, I try to sell it to them by how much I love the game. And then if, if they're at all um, hesitant to try something like that, I make sure I do a great job teaching the rules and I make sure I'm very available for the, for questions that they might have because they'll yeah. teach. Yeah, that's a, that support is yeah. so important. I will, thing you, I will check in yeah. on my Puerto Rico tables Absolutely. two or three times at least before the game is over. Yeah. One of the other things I like to use uh, to sort of help people be a, less, a little bit less afraid is that sometimes there's that one person who's good at these kinds of games and nobody wants to play that kind of game because they know that one's going to win. Yeah. Right. What I'll do is I'll pick games that have plenty of interaction, and I'll explain to everyone, okay, you all know that this person is better at this game. 
guess what you're gonna do? Screw Dave. Yep. <laughs> you outnumber them, gang up on them, take what's yours. Or if you've got one person at the table who's not that good and several people who are, they're gonna have to invest most of their efforts in make, on each other, which allows the new player a chance to sneak through and win. Yeah. So uh, try this out sometime. Next time you're visiting Snakes and Lattes, give us a try. Let, uh, let the gurus suggest something that's maybe a little bit outside your comfort zone, a bit more complex than you considered. There is more beauty and more wonder in those hills than you might have imagined. Thanks for listening, everyone. I'm Jonathan Moriarty with Sean Jackman and Steve Tassie. Game on. Game on. Game on. Thanks for listening. A quick announcement before we sign off this week. One of our most popular games is the award-winning Carcassonne, a tile-placing game where the players build a medieval city together. This Monday, September 30th, we'll be hosting the Canadian Qualifier for the Carcassonne World Championship. There are prizes to be won, and the top finisher will be entered into the World Championship Tournament in Essen, Germany. Get your tickets today for only $10 at snakesandlattes.com. Until then, this is P.T. Douglas. Game on.